Welcome to Volume 2 of L. Frank Baum's Sky Island. Chapter 3. A Wonderful Experience. They had early breakfast at Trot's house. Because they all went to bed early, and it is possible to sleep only a certain number of hours if one is healthy in body and mind. And right after breakfast, Trot claimed Button Bright's promise to take her to town with the magic umbrella. Any time suits me, said the boy. He had taken his precious umbrella to bed with him and even carried it to the breakfast table, where he stood it between his knees as he ate. So now he held it close to him and said he was ready to fly at a moment's notice. This confidence impressed Captain Bill, who said with a sigh, Well, if you must go, Trot, I've provided a machine that'll carry you both comfortably. I'm something of an inventor myself, though there ain't any magic about me. Then he brought from the shed the contrivance he had made the night before. It was merely a swing seat. He had taken a wide board that was just long enough for both the boy and girl to sit upon, and had bored six holes in it, two holes at each end and two in the middle. Through these holes he had run stout ropes in such a way that the seat could not turn and the occupants could hold on to the ropes on either side. The ropes were all knotted together at the top, where there was a loop that could be hooked upon the crooked handle of the umbrella. Button Bright and Trot both thought Captain Bill's invention very clever. The sailor placed the board upon the ground while they sat in their places, Button Bright at the right of Trot and then the boy hooked the rope ladder to the handle of the umbrella, which he spread wide open. "'I want to go to the town over yonder,' he said, pointing with his finger to the roofs of the houses that showed around the bend in the cliff. At once the umbrella rose into the air, slowly at first, but quickly gathering speed. Trot and Button Bright held fast to the ropes, and were carried along very easily and comfortably. It seemed scarcely a minute before they were in the town, and when the umbrella set them down just in front of the store, for it seemed to know just where they wanted to go, a wondering crowd gathered around them. Trot ran in and changed the yarn while Button Bright stayed outside and stared at the people who stared at him. They asked questions, too, wanted to know what sort of an aeroplane it was, and where his power was stored, and lots of other things. But the boy answered not a word. When the little girl came back and took her seat, Button Bright said, I want to go to Trot's house. The simple villagers could not understand how the umbrella suddenly lifted the two children into the air and carried them away. They had read of airships, but here was something wholly beyond their comprehension. Captain Bill stood in front of the house, watching with a feeling akin to bewilderment the flight of the magic umbrella. He could follow its course until it descended in the village, and he was so amazed and absorbed that his pipe went out. He had not moved from his position when the umbrella started back. The sailor's big blue eyes watched it draw near and settle down with his passengers upon just the spot where it had started from. Trot was joyous and greatly excited. Oh, Captain, it's glorious! She cried in ecstasy. It beats riding in a boat or, or anything else. You feel so light and free and, and, and glad. I'm sorry the trip didn't last longer, though. Only trouble is, you go too fast. Button Bright was smiling contentedly. He had proved to both Trot and Captain Bill that he had told the truth about the magic umbrella, however marvelous his tale had seemed to them. I'll take you on another trip if you like, he said. I'm in no hurry to go home, 
and if you'll let me stay with you another day, we can make two or three little trips with luck. Oh, you must stay the whole week, said Trot decidedly. And you must take Cap'n Bill for an air ride, too. Oh, Trot, I don't know as I'd like that, protested Cap'n Bill nervously. Yes, you would. You're sure to like it. I'm, I'm too heavy, he said. I'm sure the umbrella could carry twenty people if they could be fastened to the handle, said Button Bright. Solid land's pretty good to hold on to, too, decided Cap'n Bill. A rope might break, you know. Cap'n Bill, you're scared stiff, said Trot. I ain't, mate. I ain't at all. But I don't see that human critters has any call to fly in the air anyhow. The air was made for birds and, and musketeers and... and... And flying fish, added Trot. I know all that, Cap'n, but why wasn't it made for humans, too, if they can manage to fly in it? We breathe the air, and we can breathe it high up, just as well as down on the earth. Seeing as you like it so much, Trot, it would be cruel for me to go with Button Bright and leave you at home, said the sailor. When I were younger, which is ancient history now, afore I had this wooden leg, I would climb a ship's ropes with the best of them, and walk out on a boom and stand atop the mast. So you know very well I ain't scared of high uppedness. Why can't we all go together? asked the boy. Make another sea captain and swing it right under ours. Then we all three can ride anywhere we want to go. Oh, yes, do, exclaimed Trot. And see here, Captain, let's take a day off and have a picnic. Mother is a little cross today, and she wants to finish knitting your new stocking, so I guess she'll be glad to get rid of us. Where'll we go? he asked, shifting on his wooden leg uneasily. Anywhere, I don't care. There'll be the air ride there, and the air ride back, and that's the main thing with me. If if you say you'll go, Captain, I'll run back and pack a basket of lunch. How'll we carry it? You can swing it from the bottom of your seat. The old sailor stood silent a moment. He really longed to take the air ride, but was fearful of the danger. However, Trot had gone safely to town and back, and had greatly enjoyed the experience. All right, he said. I'll risk it, mate, though I guess I'm an old fool for tempting fate by trying to make a bird of meself. Get the lunch, Trot, if your mother'll let you have it, and I'll rig up the seat. He went into the shed, and Trot went to her mother. Mrs. Griffith, busy with her work, knew nothing of what was going on in regard to the flight of the magic umbrella. She never objected when Trot wanted to go away with Captain Bill for a day's picnicking. She knew the child was perfectly safe with the old sailor, who cared for Trot even better than her mother would have done. If she had asked any questions today, and had found out they intended to fly in the air, she might have seriously objected. But Mrs. Griffith had her mind on other things and merely told the girl to take what she wanted from the cupboard and not bother her. So Trot, remembering Button Bright would be with them and had proved himself to be a hearty eater, loaded the basket with all the good things she could find. By the time she came out lugging the basket with both hands, Captain Bill appeared with the new seat he had made for his own use, which he attached by means of ropes to the double seat of the boy and girl. Now then, where'll we go? asked Trot. Anywhere suits me, replied Captain Bill. They had walked to the high bluff overlooking the sea, where a gigantic acacia tree stood on the very edge. A seat had been built around the trunk of the tree, for this was a favorite spot for Trot and Captain Bill to sit and talk and 
watched the fleet of fishing boats sail to and from the village. When they came to this tree, Trot was still trying to think of the most pleasant place to picnic. She and Captain Bill had been every place that was desirable and nearby, but today they didn't want a nearby spot. They had to decide upon one far enough away to afford them a fine trip through the air. Looking far out over the Pacific, the girl's eyes fell upon a dim island lying on the horizon line, just where the sky and water seemed to meet, and the sight gave her an idea. Oh, Captain Pill, she exclaimed, let's go to that island for our picnic. We've never been there before, you know. The sailor shook his head. That's a good many miles away, Trot. Further than it looks to be from here. That won't matter, remarked Button Bright. The umbrella will carry us there in no time. Let's go, repeated Trot. We'll never have another such chance, Captain. It's too far to sail to or row, and I've always wanted to visit that island. What's the name of it? inquired Button Bright, while the sailor hesitated how to decide. Oh, it's got an awful name to pronounce replied the girl. So Captain Bill and I just call it Sky Island because it looks as if it was half in the sky. We've been told it's a very pretty island and a few people live there and keep cows and goats and fish for a living. There are woods and pastures and springs of clear water. I'm sure we would find it a fine place for a picnic. If anything happened on the way, observed Captain Bill, we'd drop into the water. Of course, said Trot. And if anything happened while we were flying over the land, we'd drop there. But nothing's going to happen, Captain. Didn't Button Bright come safe all the way here from Philadelphia? I think I'd like to go to Sky Island, said the boy. I've always flown over land so far. It'll be something new to fly over the ocean. All right, then. I'm agreeable, decided Captain Bill. But afore we starts on such a long journey, suppose we make a little trial trip along the coast. I want to see if this new seat fits me and make sure that the umbrella will carry all three of us. Very well, said Button Bright. Where shall we go? Let's go as far as Smuggler's Cove and then turn around and come back. If it's all right in ship shape, we can start for the island then. They put the broad double seat on the ground, then the boy and the girl sat in their places, and Button Bright spread open the magic umbrella. Captain Bill sat in his seat just in front of them, all being upon the ground. Don't we look funny, Trot said with a chuckle of glee. But hold fast to the ropes, Captain, and take care of your wooden leg. Button Bright addressed the umbrella, speaking to it very respectfully, for it was a thing to inspire awe. I want to go as far as Smuggler's Cove, and then turn around in the air and come back here, he said. At once the umbrella rose into the air, lifting after it first the seat in which the children sat, and then Captain Bill's seat. Don't kick your heels, Trot, cried the sailor in a voice that proved he was excited by his novel experience. You might bump me in the nose. All right, she called back. I'll be careful. It was really a wonderful, exhilarating ride, and Captain Bill was not long making up his mind that he liked the sensation. When about fifty feet above the ground, the umbrella began moving along the coast towards Smuggler's Cove, which it soon reached. Looking downward, Captain Bill suddenly exclaimed, Why, there's a bolt cast loose, and it's going to smash on the rocks. Hold on a minute, Button Bright, till we can land and drag it ashore. Hold on a minute, Umbrella, cried the boy. 
But the magic umbrella kept steadily upon its way. It made a circle over the cove, and then started straight back the way it had come. It's no use, sir, said Button Bright to the sailor. If I once tell it to go to a certain place, the umbrella will go there and nowhere else. I found that out before this. You simply can't stop it. Won't let you change your mind, eh? replied Captain Bill. Well, that has its advantages and disadvantages. If your old umbrella hadn't been so obstinate, we could have saved that boat. Never mind, said Trock briskly. Here we are safe back again. Wasn't it just the fascinatingest ride you ever took, Captain? It was pretty good fun, admitted Captain Bill. Beats them aeroplane things all to holler, because they don't need any regulating. If we're going to that island, we may as well start right away, said Button Bright when they had safely landed. All right, then. I'll tie on the lunch basket, answered the sailor. He fastened it so it would swing underneath his own seat, and then they all took their places again. Ready? asked the boy. Let her go, my lad. I want to go to Sky Island, said Button Bright to the umbrella, using the name Trot had given him. The umbrella started promptly. It rose higher than before, carrying the three voyagers with it, and then started straight away over the ocean. Chapter 4 The Island in the Sky They clung tightly to the ropes, but the breeze was with them. So, after a few moments, when they became accustomed to the motion, they began to enjoy the ride immensely. Larger and larger grew the island, and although they were headed directly toward it, the umbrella seemed to be rising higher and higher into the air, the farther they traveled. They had not journeyed ten minutes before they came directly over the island, and looking down they could see forests and meadows far below them. But the umbrella kept up its rapid flight. Hold on there, cried Captain Bill. If it ain't careful, the old thing will pass way over the island. I'm, I'm sure it has passed over it already, exclaimed Trot. What's wrong, Button Bright? Why aren't we stopping? Button Bright seemed astonished, too. Perhaps I didn't say it right, he replied after a moment's thought. Then, looking up at the umbrella, he repeated distinctly, I said I want to go to Sky Island. Sky Island, don't you understand? The umbrella swept steadily along, getting farther and farther out to sea, and rising higher and higher toward the clouds. Mackerels and herons, roared Captain Bill, now really frightened. Ain't there any blame way to stop her now? None that I know of, said Button Bright anxiously. Perhaps, said Trot after a pause, during which she tried hard to think. Perhaps Sky Island isn't the name of that island after all. Why, we know very well that ain't the name of it, yelled Captain Bill from below. We just called it that because its right name is too hard to say. That's the whole trouble, then, returned Button Bright. Somewhere in the world, there's a real Sky Island, and having told the Magic Umbrella to take us there, it's going to do just that. Well, I declare, gasped the sailor man. Can't we land anywhere else? Not unless you care to tumble off, said the boy. I told the Umbrella to take us to Sky Island, so that's the exact place we're bound for. I'm sorry. It was your fault for giving me the wrong name. They glided along in silence for a while. The island was now far behind them and growing small in the distance. Where do you suppose the real Sky Island can be? asked Trot presently. 
Well, we can't tell until we get there, Button Bright answered. Seems to me I've heard of the Isle of Skye, but that's way over in Great Britain, somewhere the other side of the world. And it isn't Sky Island anyhow. This miserable old umbrella is too particular, growled Captain Bill. It won't let you change your mind, and it goes exactly where you say. If it didn't, said Trot, we'd never know where we were going. We don't know now, said the sailor. One thing's certain, folks, we're getting a long way from home. And see how the clouds are rolling just above us, remarked the boy, who was almost as uneasy as Captain Bill. We're in the sky all right, said the girl. If there could be an island up here, among the clouds, I think it was there that we were going. Couldn't there be one? asked Button Bright. Why couldn't there be an island in the sky that was named Sky Island? Of course not, declared Captain Bill. There wouldn't be anything to hold it up, you know. Yeah, but Captain Bill, what's holding us up? asked Trot. Magic, I guess. Well, then magic might hold an island in the sky. Woo! What a black cloud! It grew suddenly dark, for they were rushing through a thick cloud that rolled around them in billows. Trout felt little drops of moisture striking her face, and knew her clothing was getting damp and soggy. It's a rain cloud, she said to Button Bright, and it seems like an awful big one, because it takes so long for us to pass through it. The umbrella never hesitated a moment. It made a path through the length of the heavy black cloud at last, and carried its passengers into a misty, billowy bank of white, which seemed as soft and fleecy as a lady's veil. When this broke away, they caught sight of a majestic rainbow spanning the heavens, its gorgeous colors glinting brightly in the sun, its arch perfect and unbroken from end to end. But it was only a glimpse they had, for quickly they dove into another bank of clouds, and the rainbow disappeared. Here the clouds were not black nor heavy, but they assumed queer shapes, some like huge ships, and some like forest trees, and others piled themselves into semblances of turreted castles and wonderful palaces. The shapes shifted here and there continually, and the voyagers began to be bewildered by the phantoms. Seems to me that we're going down, called Trot. Down to where? asked Captain Bill. Who knows, said Button Bright, but we're dropping all right. It was a gradual descent. The magic umbrella maintained a uniform speed, swift and unfaltering, but its path through the heavens was now in the shape of an arc, as a flying arrow falls. The queer shapes of the clouds continued for some time, and once or twice Trot was a little frightened when a monstrous airy dragon passed beside them, or a huge giant stood upon a peak of cloud and stared savagely at the intruders into his domain. But none of these fanciful, vapory creatures seemed inclined to molest them or to interfere with their flight, and after a while the umbrella dipped below this queer cloudland and entered a clear space where the sky was an exquisite blue color. Oh, look, called Captain Bill. There's land below us. The boy and girl leaned over and tried to see this land, but Captain Bill was also leaning over, and his big body hid all that was just beneath them. Is that an island? asked Trot anxiously. Seems so, the old sailor replied. The blue is around all one side of it, and a pink sunshine around the other side. There's a big cloud just over the middle, but I guess it's surely an island, Trot. And 
being as it's in the sky, it's likely to be Sky Island. Then we shall land there, said the boy confidently. I knew the umbrella couldn't make a mistake. Presently, Captain Bill spoke again. We're going down on the blue part of the island, he said. I can see trees and ponds and houses. Hold tight, Trot. Hold tight, Button Bright. I be feared we're going to bump into something. They were certainly dropping very quickly now. The rush of air made their eyes fill with water so that they could not see much below them. Suddenly, the basket that was dangling below Captain Bill's seat struck something with a loud thump, and this was followed by a yell of anger. Captain Bill sat flat upon the ground, landing with a force that jarred the sailor man and made his teeth click together, while down upon him came the seat that Trot and Button Bright occupied, so that for a moment they were all tangled up. Get off from me! Get off from my feet, I say! cried an excited voice. What in the sky do you mean by sitting on my feet? Get off! Get off! Get off at once! Chapter 5 The Boolooroo of the Blues Captain Bill suspected that these remarks were addressed to him, but he couldn't move just then because the seat was across him, and a boy and a girl were sprawling on the seat. As the magic umbrella was now as motionless as any ordinary umbrella might be, Button Bright first released the catch and closed it up, after which he unhooked the crooked handle from the rope and rose to his feet. Trot had managed by this time to stand up, and she pulled the board off from Captain Bill. All this time the excited voice was loudly complaining because the sailor was on his feet, and Trot looked to see who was making the protest while Captain Bill rolled over and got on his hands and knees so he could pull his meat leg and his wooden leg into an upright position, which wasn't a very easy thing to do. Button Bright and Trot were staring with all their might at the queerest person they had ever seen. They decided it must be a man because he had two long legs, a body as round as a ball, a neck like an ostrich, and a comical little head set on top of it. But the most curious thing about him was his skin, which was of a lovely sky-blue tint. His eyes were also sky-blue, and his hair, which was trained straight up and ended in a curl at the top of his head, was likewise blue in color, and matched his skin and his eyes. He wore tight-fitting clothes made of sky-blue silk, with a broad blue ruffle around his long neck, and on his breast glittered a magnificent jewel in the form of a star set with splendid blue stones. If the blue man astonished the travelers, they were no less surprised by his surroundings. For look where they might, everything they beheld was the same blue color as the sky above. They seemed to have landed in a large garden, surrounded by a high wall of blue stone. The trees were all blue, the grass was blue, the flowers were blue, even the pebbles in the paths were blue. There were many handsomely carved benches and seats of blue wood scattered about the garden, and near them stood a fountain made of blue marble which shot lovely sprays of blue water into the blue air. But the angry inhabitant of this blue place would not permit them to look around in peace, for as soon as Captain Bill rolled off his toes, 
he began dancing around in an excited way and saying very disrespectful things of his visitors. You brutes! You apes! You miserable white-skinned creatures! How dare you come into my garden and knock me on the head with that awful basket and then fall on my toes and cause me pain and suffering! How dare you, I say! Don't you know you will be punished for your impudence? Don't you know the Boolaroo of the Blues will have revenge? I can have you patched for this insult, and I will, just as sure as I'm the royal Boolaroo of Sky Island. Oh, is this Sky Island, then? asked Trot. Of course it's Sky Island. What else would it be? And I'm its ruler, its king, its sole royal potentate and dictator. Behold in the personage you have injured, the mighty, quitey, righty, Boolaroo of the Blues. Here he strutted about in a very pompous manner and wagged his little head contemptuously at them. Glad to meet you, sir, said Captain Bill. I've always had a liking for kings, being as they're something unusual. Please excuse me for sitting on your royal toes, not knowing as your toes were there. I won't excuse you, roared Boolaroo. But I'll punish you. You may depend on that. Seems to me, said Trot, you're acting rather impolite to strangers. If anybody comes to our country to visit us, we always treat him decent. Your country, exclaimed the Boolaroo, looking at them more carefully and seeming interested in their appearance now. Where in the sky did you come from, then? And where is your country located? We live on Earth when we're at home, replied the girl. The Earth? Nonsense. I've heard of the Earth, my child, but it's not inhabited. No one can live there because it's just a round, cold, barren ball of mud and water, declared the Blueskin. Oh, you're wrong about that, said Button Bright. You surely are, added Captain Bill. We live there ourselves, cried Trot. I don't believe it. I believe you're living in Sky Island, where you have no right to be, with your horrid white skin and you've intruded into the private garden of the palace of the greatly stately irately Boolaroo, which is a criminal offense, and you've bumped my head with your basket and smashed my toes with your boards and bodies, which is a crime unparalleled in all the history of Sky Island. Aren't you sorry for yourselves? I'm sorry for you, replied Trot, because you don't seem to know the proper way to treat visitors. But we won't stay long. We'll go home pretty soon. Not until you've been punished, exclaimed the Boolaroo sternly. You're my prisoners. Begging your pardon, your majesty, said Captain Bill. But you're taking a good deal for granted. We've tried to be friendly and peaceable and like, and we've apologized for hurting you. But if that don't satisfy you, you'll have to make the most of it. You may be Boolaroo of the Blues, but you ain't even a tin whistle to us, and you can't scare us for a half minute. I'm an old man myself, but if you don't behave, I'll spank you like I would a baby, and it won't be any trouble at all, thank ye. As a matter of fact, we've captured your whole bloomin' blue island, but we don't like the place very much, and I guess we'll give it back. 
It gives us the blues, don't it, Trot? So as soon as we eat a bite of lunch from our basket, we'll sail away again. Sail away? How? asked the Boolaroo. With a magic umbrella, said Cap'n Bill, pointing to the umbrella that Button Bright was holding underneath his arm. Oh, I see, I see, said the Boolaroo, nodding his funny head. Go ahead, then, and eat your lunch. He retreated a little way to a marble seat beside the fountain, but watched the strangers carefully. Cap'n Bill, feeling sure he had won the argument, whispered to the boy and girl that they must eat and get away as soon as possible, as this might prove a dangerous country for them to remain in. Trot longed to see more of the strange blue island, and especially wanted to explore the magnificent blue palace that adjoined the garden, which had six hundred tall towers and turrets, but she felt sure that her old friend was wise in advising them to get away quickly. So she opened the basket, and they all three sat in a row on a stone bench and began to eat sandwiches and cake and pickles and cheese and all the good things that were packed in the lunch basket. They were hungry from the long ride, and while they ate, they kept their eyes busily employed in examining all the queer things around them. The Boolaroo seemed quite the queerest of anything, and Trot noticed that when he pulled the long curl that stuck from the top of his head, a bell tinkled somewhere in the palace. He next pulled at the bottom of his right ear, and another faraway bell tinkled. Then he touched the end of his nose, and still another bell was faintly heard. The Boolaroo said not a word while he was ringing the bells, and Trot wondered if that was the way he amused himself. But now the frown died away from his face, and was replaced by a look of satisfaction. "'Have you nearly finished?' he inquired. "'No,' said Trot. "'We've got to eat our apples yet.' "'Apples? What are apples?' he demanded. Trot took one from the basket. Would you have one? They're awful good. The Boolaroo advanced a step and took the apple, which he regarded with much curiosity. Guess they don't grow them anywhere but on Earth, remarked Captain Bill. Are they good to eat? asked the Boolaroo. Try one and see, answered Trot, biting into an apple herself. The Blueskin sat down on the end of the bench, next to Button Bright, and began to eat his apple. He seemed to like it, for he finished it in a hurry and when it was gone, he picked up the magic umbrella. "'Leave it alone!' said Button Bright, making a grab for it. But the Boolaroo jerked it away in an instant, and standing up, he held the umbrella behind him and laughed aloud. "'Now then,' he said, "'you can't get away until I'm willing to let you go. You are my prisoners.' "'I don't think so,' replied Captain Bill and reaching out one of his long arms, the sailor man suddenly grasped the Boolaroo around his long, thin neck and shook him until his whole body fluttered like a flag. "'Drop the umbrell! Drop it!' yelled Cap'n Bill, and the Boolaroo quickly obeyed. The magic umbrella fell to the ground, and Button Bright promptly seized it. Then the sailor let go of his hold, and the king staggered to his seat, choking and coughing to get his breath back. "'I told you to let things alone!' growled Captain Bill. If you don't behave, your majesty, this blue island will have to get another Boolaroo. Why? asked the Blueskin. Because I'll probably spoil you for another king and maybe for anything else. Anyway, you'll get badly damaged if you try to interfere with us, and that's a fact. 
Don't kill him, Captain Bill, said Trot cheerfully. Kill me? Why, he couldn't do that, observed the king, who was trying to rearrange the ruffle around his neck. Nothing can kill me. Why not? asked Captain Bill. Because I haven't lived my six hundred years yet. Perhaps you don't know that every blueskin in Sky Island lives exactly six hundred years from the time he's born. No, I didn't know that, admitted the sailor. It's a fact, said the king. Nothing can kill us until we've lived to the last day of our appointed lives. When that final minute is up, we die, but we're obliged to live all the six hundred years whether we want to or not. So you needn't think of trying to kill anybody on Sky Island. It can't be done. Never you mind, said Captain Bill. I'm no murderer, thank goodness. And I wouldn't have killed you if I could, much as you deserve it. But isn't six hundred years an awful long time to live? Questioned Trot. Seems like that at first, replied the king. But I notice that whenever any of my subjects get near the end of their six hundred, they grow nervous and say the life is altogether too short. How long have you lived? asked Button Bright. The king coughed and turned a bit bluer. That is considered an impertinent question in Sky Island, he answered. But I will say that every Boolaroo is elected to reign three hundred years, and I've not reigned quite, uh, two hundred. Are your kings elected, then? asked Captain Bill. Yes, of course. This is a republic, you know. The people elect all their officers. From the king down, every man and woman is a voter. The Boolaroo tells them who to vote for, and if they don't obey, they're severely punished. It's a fine system of government, and the only thing I object to is electing the Boolaroo for only three hundred years. It ought to be for life. My successor has already been elected, but he can't reign for a hundred years to come yet. I think three hundred years is plenty of time, said Trot. It gives someone else a chance to rule, and I wouldn't be surprised if the next king is a better one. Seems to me that you're not much of a Boolaroo. That, replied the king indignantly, is a matter of opinion. I like myself very much, but I can't expect you to like me, because you're deformed and ignorant. I am not, cried Trot. Yes, you are. Your legs are too short. Your neck is nothing at all. Your color is most peculiar. But there isn't a shade of blue about any of you except the deep blue color of the clothes the old ape that choked me wears. Also, you're ignorant because you know nothing of Sky Island, which is the center of the universe and the only place anyone would care to live. Don't listen to him, Trot, said Button Bright. He's an ignorant himself. Captain Bill packed up the lunch basket. One end of the rope was still tied to the handle of the basket, and the other end to his swing seat, which lay on the ground before them. Well, he said, let's go home. We've seen enough of this blue country and its blue Boolaroo. I guess, and it's a long journey back again. All right, agreed Trot, jumping up. Button Bright stood on the bench and held up the magic umbrella so he could open it, and the sailor had just attached the ropes when a thin blue line shot out from behind them and in a twinkling wound itself around the umbrella. At the same instant another blue cord wound itself around the boy's body, and others caught Trot, 
and Captain Bill in their coils, so that all had their arms pinned fast to their sides and found themselves absolutely helpless.